Good evening, citizens. My name is Ban Shattersong, former captain of the Bloody Hands Mercenary Company. And today we are not actually going to talk about Ban at all. Well, hello, it's Chris. And um, we're actually going to talk about Lindir Thornhart. Who's Lindir? You uh, clearly are asking on your end of this microphone. Uh, Lindir is my brand new character. I say brand new, he's now got precisely one event tucked under his little belt and uh, he is the um, the replacement for Ban Shattersong, the notorious and hardcore criminal that uh, spawned this podcast. Lindir is very much a different character to Ban. Uh, he's arguably very naive, uh, inexperienced, but fundamentally he's not a criminal and a, um, in quotes here, a good person. Now, the reason, uh, just before we dive into the hots and knots for Lindir Thornhart at E3 this year, uh, just wanted to explain a few things about him. Um, the first off is that I made him in about five minutes after Ban died, so I could get back on the field at E2, and I thought, I've got my longbow with me. I haven't used it with Ban at all, because uh, he's, he's using um, a crossbow instead. And, um, well, why not make a little archer, ranger of Athelian style character and just see how it goes. And I had loads and loads of fun with him on the Sunday of E2. So, he stayed alive. And uh, as we trundled up towards E3, I had a, a little bit of decision to make. I think I actually made an episode about it. Was that... Um, if I wanted to wanted to continue with some of my um, let's say criminal aspirations and some of the plot that Ban kicked off because there's a whole bag of it, um, I realistically would need to switch nations because I feel like on the whole there's no real social contract behind it. Of course, you can always play any character that you want to. However, I feel like playing Ban Shattersong and then rolling back as another Navari criminal who looks very, very similar is is a bit of a piss take. You know, it's uh, I'm basically just playing the same character again and the whole death thing kind of didn't matter because ho -ho, I can come back and um, just be the same character with no real loss of, you know, loss of progress and just make up enough backstory that this new character knew everything but Ban did and was more senior in the gang and so on and so forth. Um, so I didn't do that, of course. But then that presents a choice. The choice is to switch nation and play that character, the senior criminal who oversaw Ban, for example. Um, perhaps from a Varishkin or League point of view with the, the Vig. But then the other side of it was, well, why don't you just be good? For once, Chris, why don't you, for the love of God, just play a good character? No more chaotic evil, frankly chaotic anything. Just try and be, if not lawful good, then neutral good, I guess. Um, sorry, is it lawful neutral? Gosh, I should know this. Anyway, yeah, so try to actually play a good character. And uh, I could safely say that playing that with Linda has been so much fun because now I've been able to actually talk to people that I've seen, you know, OC in sort of at the end of events, but 
in character. I can actually go places now. I can, you know, sit around a fire and not have to worry about hiding from the militia or turning everything into an impromptu robbery, that kind of thing. And I've actually made loads of friends. And it sounds very cheesy, but it's been absolutely wonderful. So that is what I've gone with and stuck with for the end of E2 and E3. So after that rambling intro, let's get on with Lindir Thornhart's Hots and Nuts. Well, let's start with the Nuts, because as usual with these things, there's, there's not too many. Uh, the first, it was actually quiet. Now, I know I've just spent the last uh, 4 minutes and 22 seconds talking about the how lovely it was just to you know be a good person, be able to sit around fires, make friends, etc. However, the downside of that is that the unbridled chaos that have been my events for the last, gosh, handful of years, um, was no longer the case. In fact, it was, it got to some points on the Saturday later afternoon, after a certain event that we will discuss today. But after that event had been wrapped up, I kind of thought to myself, huh, it's not really, you know, there's not, there's not much for me to do. There's, um, you know, there's lots of things I can do, like let's go walk around the marches or let's go chat to some people I've met or, you know, see if there's a skirmish I can jump on, that kind of thing. But with Ban, it was right between 11.30 and 11.45, we've got to hold up this joint. We spend 30 minutes underground and then we pop up again at, you know, uh, 1.44 in the afternoon for a 1.45 arrival of a certain MP see and then you know we hit them to crossbow blah 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 i would ban would have every single minute of his weekend planned out and with lindir i still got still plenty to do and i made myself a little list of things i wanted to try out so i had every hour planned out um would thoroughly recommend by the way make yourself a little quest book you know very runescape or warcraft like and just see what you get done in the weekend uh, the answer is none of it but it always inspires you to do things um or makes you think, oh, what about that? And you get stuck in. Anyway, Lindir was quiet. And that was a bit of a knot for me because LARP is such a, you know, with only four events a year, it's it's rare. And I feel like any downtime is not wasted time, but it's non-optimized time. And, uh, you know, I know some people, you know, they go to Empire and it's frankly, it's a chill out have a few beers in the evening, lounge around in the afternoon, chat to people, do some trading. And you know what? That game is fucking wonderful. And I loved it. And I did it with some of my, some of my earlier characters. But now I've got this relentless rat-like hunger to keep gnawing away at something important. And of course, rolling a new character in. I'm not, I'm not important. Linda has to build that reputation up again and become important or iconic or of any worth let's say absolutely not implying that ban was important either but some would like to think so so anyway my first knot is that it was quiet um it was hot ish i would say um the reality of that is it was very hot a very hot weekend but lindir another great thing about making a character in five minutes um doesn't wear armor uh i'm trying to play empire a little bit like i don't know battlefield or call of duty um with the longbow where if i get hit i go down but if i hit other people they um they usually go down as well 
I, I don't want to call it hard mode because hard mode in Empire is no armor with a dagger, but um, in terms of combat, of course. However, the um, the two hit points and avoiding getting killed does make it very uh, very spicy, and also very cool because you're not wearing armor. Everyone else wearing armor, um, you know, super sweaty, super hot. But for me, it was you know a bit uncomfortable. But it wasn't uh, it wasn't sort of Saharan desert experience uh, for me. So yeah, another not is it was kind of hot. And this does lead into my third one is that Lindir's war paint is awful to get off, absolutely dreadful. Um, if those of you who are listening uh, go and check out Lindir Thornhart on on Facebook, that that's me. It's my character. Um, it's a page just for my characters. Um, you'll see the sort of distinctive black and red war paint almost like a, a, a camo cam cream line across his um, across his face now i've done this so that i distinctly look different to ban because when i don't put any makeup on oh sorry any face paint um i i look like ban especially if i wear a um a headscarf or anything that covers my head um like ban used to then i'm pretty much indistinguishable and the idea was with that war paint it's clearly a different character and people don't take a they don't have a double take on me, um, as as did happen at this event actually. So uh, it's hammers hammers forth that importance. But yeah, going to bed in this stuff. Oh my god! I woke up in the morning and it smeared all over me. I looked like the red guy from Captain America. Um, not really a Marvel fan, but I think I've got the reference correct. Um, yeah, he um, he really should go easy on the stuff. However, I, I usually use snaz with a bit of fixing spray, and frankly, that's good enough. Uh, this time I used alcohol-activated face paint, um, which is pretty cool. A little bit hit and miss with some colours, but overall it's, it's great for long-lasting, it's like a long-lasting effect. But, God, the war paint I do in snaz, and I woke up in the morning, my pillow is just this savaged mess alongside my face, and it takes hours to get off. Um, you know, scrubbing that off in the shower. And then after the event, of course, I'm going to work and I've still got bits of black underneath my eyes and red smudges. And it looks like I've been severely sunburned, but I haven't. So yeah, that's the only other knot. Um, am I going to stop doing it with Lindir? No, I love it. I think it looks fucking awesome. All right, then. On to the knots. Um, in no particular order, although the detailed version coming up in the next section of this episode is going to be in order. But just the highlights, um, starting off with a new player. I think one of my most recent episodes was uh, a new player coming with me to LARP and essentially how do you help new players and also how do you look after yourself and what kind of things to expect. And the reason I made that is because I brought Stee along with me. Stee is actually a friend of a friend I met online playing Armour 3. Um, it's like a military simulation game. And, uh, you know, a couple of years down the line, he's he's turned up to Empire. So it's a it's a small, wonderful world. And it's great to you know, take those Discord friends, those gaming friends, and bring them to something real. Stee had a fucking phenomenal time. He was almost in tears. And, you know, not real tears, but just a glazed look in his eye as we were leaving. And he went... I don't think I'm ever going to do anything as cool again. Because uh, you know, your experiences might differ, but for me, when I first turned up to LARP, I was 
you know, at this point I was thinking to myself, oh gosh, it's going to be a bunch of nerds in the field, it's going to be quite cringy. And of course I was blown away by how professional, awesome and fun it is. And um, of course, have continued to come. But just to see him have that realisation again, it really awoke something in me. And that was just wonderful to see. And you know, pretty much every day when we've been gaming, he said, I can't wait to get back to Anvil Town. And uh, yeah, what a moment, what a wonderful highlight for the event. Highlight number two is that uh, the number 46 came out at E2 in terms of Lindir's arrow kills. Um, I finally got up to 47. I say finally, it was, it was a close run thing. Uh, it was actually thanks to the Dornish as we were exiting the battlefield on the Saturday that I got my 47th. It was, um, some could argue, 46 and a half, but I'll take the full point. And uh, to beat my record and have people <laughs> um, have people cheering for me, and I remember running and running up to the monster screaming, No, it's mine, it's mine, let me kill it, let me kill it. And uh, this monster, he was he was just chuckling on the floor. He was having a great time as I was arguing with these Dornish knights, like, it's mine, let me finish it. I've got a record to beat. And the monster was just having such a great time. And, uh, I mean, I was as well. The Dornish were having a good giggle. And, yeah, really, really fun. Third big point. This is going to dominate the episode. Um, I lost my memory due to certain events. And I've made a bunch of genuine new friends along the way. Uh, I actually ended up at a player event the weekend after E3. And, and I think it's entirely because this happened. And um, what a wonderful butterfly effect. Sorry, butterfly effect uh, to witness in, in, in real life. And from one simple accident, as you'll find out later, um, I've got another group chat on WhatsApp. So that's really cool. Point four, bans legacy and newspapers. Um, if anyone is a fan of the Inquiring Ink cap, uh, they would have seen that Van Shatsong had a, uh, a spread in that. And what a, what a fantastic tongue-in-cheek article that was. And all the, um, I think the, the Oathrite had another, had another article on him as well, this event following on from last event. And just um, on, a, on an OC, you know, IC, Lindir thinks like Ban is a bit of an idiot. And let's be real, he was. But OC, it does give me a little chuckle. And it, it very much warms my heart to see one of my characters still having an impact um, at this stage in the game when, you know, he's been dead for technically two events now or you know one and a half really and for people to still remember that's awesome point number five ish five slash six um the imperial elections well the navari general elections uh for sailors dance and the black thorns not going to say anything more here but oh boy that was fun um i got to go on a skirmish with uh, a new friend, uh, Anwin Stormbroke, in uh, in this event, and essentially what happened is um, I'll go into more detail later. But the usual gate clusterfuck happens where we bring twenty or thirty people and end up having like ten slots. Um, so you know, luckily I got onto that skirmish, and we went in and basically got to beat the crap out of Gigantic Crab, and it was so much fun. So I just, it's I don't know, it was one of the I've been on a lot of skirmishes you know, throughout Empire, 
and uh, I just really enjoyed the skirmish. I um, if anyone's seen the photo I posted on my Facebook page like a few days ago, um, most of those come from the skirmish, and I'm just smiling in every single photo, and it's because I was having a great time. Um, it was fucking awesome. Another hot is that this weekend was. <laughs> this weekend had some really good one-liners from Lindir, um, if I say so myself. Um, I actually had one of our um, one of the one of the guys in Blackscar came up at the end of the weekend and said, "A, it's been a pleasure role-playing with you," which was super heartwarming. But B, he said, "I think I've heard the funniest thing I've ever heard at Empire come out of your mouth," and I'll touch upon those later. <laughs> but uh, they they were pretty good. I finally went to Uncle Regrezio's, uh, let's call it bar, Uncle Regrezio's bar in the league. And I also got to go to the March Affair as well. Uh, that was a lot of fun and more details to follow. But what I wanted to mention as a hot here is that any national event, so like the Broken Wheel and the Brass Coast, the March Affair, and um, I think it's the, the festival, is it the Festival of the Dead? Festival of the Reaper. I think it's something of the Reaper in the league, but the point is, any of these national events that are, you know, once a year, go to them, go to them, see, you know, see what it's like, get stuck in. Loads of the players put in a lot of effort to um, make those things quite special, and they're really, really fun. So, that's the highlight of my hots and nots. Uh, if you want to quit off now at this point, I don't blame you. It's going to be a relatively long episode, like at least another forty minutes, but. On the flip side, you're going to get all of the juicy little details of what I've got up to on an almost blow-by-blow -blow basis. And that includes the miniature drumroll, the Thursday, secret insight into the pre-LARP day, the secret day, the fourth event that isn't, sorry, the four-day event that only technically exists. Let's dive in to Thursday. First of all, tickets. Gosh, having tickets instead of quoting a PID and the, the poor gate staff having to check a list. Um, you know, really, really good idea, PD. Great job. Um, I'm sure there'll be some with QR codes in the future to make them more secure. But for now, tickets, great. Um, the, the Woodland is getting very busy now as well. Um, so on the, in case you don't know, you can arrive on the Thursday, uh, the day before the event officially starts, uh, from 1 p.m. It's an extra fiver to camp overnight. Um, I thoroughly recommend it. You get to hang out with your friends and pack, you sort of pack up and pack down anything. Well, uh, set up. Pack down comes at the end, but set up in your own pace. Enjoy seeing your friends and enjoy a leisurely afternoon in the field before it gets crazy. But what's happened in Navarre is over the long dark we've grown and this year we've grown further is that <laughs> back in the old days when I could camp about five meters from the songs and story circle we're now right at the back of the woods and it's full there's tents everywhere and we're we're pushing as much space as we can get out of this this play area which is frankly i think i, I know it's quite crowded and the camp planners have a um a difficult task but at the same time just to see it so densely packed and lots of people feels super cool like walking around a campsite especially an ic campsite is awesome but yeah Getting very busy now, but luckily Blackscar have their nice little corner at the back, and it uh, it suits us just right. And there's a um, I've got a note here that uh, 
<laughs> I don't envy the camp planners across the next two years because I think with you know, people like Stee getting involved this year, we're going to go through another wave of people coming for the first time and then bringing one friend, then that person bringing another two friends and then all of a sudden we'll have all these new stridings of, you know, five to ten people popping up all over the shop. And that's just in Navarre, let alone across the Empire. Um, so I don't envy them, but it does remind me of a, um, a physics teacher I had at school called Chris Ingram, like in grams as opposed to kilograms. Hilarious, right? And uh, his favourite part of being the teacher in our school was that he actually got to do the teaching rotor. So which class is in which room at which time? And it was kind of like a, a three or four D Rubik's cube he used to describe it as. And I feel like he would be the guy for this planning across the next two years. He would love it. It's not relevant, but shout out Chris Ingram. What a guy. Like, okay, one more shout out for him. He used to run desert marathons. Like he, we would um. I used to do cross country as a sport and he would come and train with us sometimes and he is your classic physics teacher, right? But he would turn up in like three jumpers, four sets of socks, boots, jumpers, leggings, a backpack. I'm like, what on earth is going on? Because it's, you know, it's summer, it's like 22 degrees, we're all in shorts and t-shirts. And uh, he's like, oh yeah, I'm just training for a desert marathon. And then he'd he'd come back four or five hours later, absolutely drenched. He said, yep, I did it. Uh, and yeah, like like it was the most casual thing in the world. Absolute unit. Absolute unit. But anyway, back onto LARP. Um a super chill night in the forge. Um one of the things I managed to pick up was a um at, at random, a Discworld hat. Um I can't quite remember the quote on it, but it's red gold lettering. Um I just I found it and I basically look after it now. And uh, I sat there in the forge with a bunch of bunch of black scar and a bunch of other randoms just having a chat and a little drink into the evening and it was lovely uh the hat brought in new friends which is great a bit of an icebreaker and then uh we, we sat there talking about stuff and i can't really define it better than that because it was just lovely just to lean back and I, you know we finally got to one of the table sections in that place I've, I've never really sat down in the forge until now i've always been stood up or outside but yeah it was lovely um, but before we actually got fully into the sort of merriment, light drinking and chats in the uh, in the evening, um, once again, I got to go out to Dash Shop, which is one of the, the traders. Uh, they trade in both IC and OC terms. So, for example, I think you can go in there and sell. Let's say you've got some spare kit, you might be able to sell it for like crowns or thrones. I've never actually done that, so don't quote me. But um, that's that's the um, the impression I get and what I've heard. And of course, you can buy things for pound sterling as well. Now, I got to have, well, I got the great fortune of getting two lovely selections added to my kit. Um, the first was a set of aluminium chainmail arms, and the second was aluminium chainmail skirt. Now, aluminium is a lot lighter than steel. And I've only worn steel chainmail up until now, kind of thinking, ah, oh, alley chain, is it really that different in weight? Because it's still, you know, chain, it's heavy. Uh, the answer is yes. Oh my gosh, yes. Wow. Wearing aluminium versus steel. What a life improvement. My God. That stuff was awesome. I got it at a great price. Um, and it's, the thing with Dash Shop is it's full of random stuff. So 
you know, things like the Mithalan and Dark Blade things that you can get online. Those are great. They're, they're very uniform and very sturdy. But if you go to that shop, you can end up with some random stuff and it might need patching up or might have a few chainmail links missing. But if you do a bit of repair work on it, it's absolutely fine. And hell, most of the time it doesn't even need repairs. But yeah, this uh, these arms and skirt, mwah, very, very happy with that. And also if you go in there, you can get, uh, it's where I got my brass costume, uh, my brass coast costume for, for Ban when he did his... Uh, his last robbery at E2. And uh, if you need any pouches, belts, that kind of thing, go and have a look at Dash Shop because you'll find something unique in there. And it's, uh, well, I can't recommend it more, clearly. Um, there is a certain bard that I shall leave nameless that I commissioned to write a song about Ban when Ban was still alive. In that letter, I promised, uh, I said that there was a throne attached. And of course, because this was done over... Um, over email, it, there was not a throne attached. <laughs> now, Ban died, and it's taken me two events to finally get this bard their payment. And I finally managed to do that on Thursday night. And I feel very good about being the worst Lannister on the Anvil field. I always pay my debt, but two events late. And then final note for Thursday, um, turning off my phone and reclining back into the LARP verse. 100% for Thursdays. It's just, ah, oh, it everything's off. It's time to relax and get excited for the next day. So, on to Friday. Shower block, 10 out of 10 as usual. Showers at Empire used to be hit and miss. And frankly, I would go the whole weekend without showering. However, now they've got this purpose-built block. There's hot water. The space and the changing and just uh, I'm going to spare you all the graphic detail but you know we all get sweaty when we're running around and frankly I especially need a wash after some of the battles we've done so yeah going in and just being able to get all the face paint off get all the grime and dirt and sweat off oh lovely brilliant brilliant shower block um, everyone starts to arrive on the Friday sort of morning and afternoon those who haven't already come on the Thursday. And it's just nice to see them in jibs and drabs because uh, when I used to arrive on sort of Friday evening around 5 o'clock, everyone was there and it'd be like, right, oh, hey, how's it going? Quick, get in your kit, let's go. But now as people arrive, you can say, hey, how's it going? Let me help with your tent. What have you been up to over the last six weeks? And all the people you don't socialise with between events, um, you get to have a chat to if you didn't catch them the night before. And it just, again, this... I guess it's the whole theme for Lindir. It's just super wholesome. I really appreciated just catching up with people and having a chat um, on the Thursday and Friday. Um, of course, the mandatory tour of Anvil. Um, I make a point of it every single event. Pre-timing to have a walk around and see if there's anything different. And this is typically picking out bars, seeing how camps have changed or grown, if there's uh, set dressing or how many new banners there are around the, the Glory Square, for example. It's, um, yeah, it's just nice. Um, I don't think I'd noticed anything too different, but uh, would always 100% recommend walking around on the Friday before time in and just seeing what's up. Next up, the Bardsteads. Um, you know, I talked just now about the going around seeing new things. One of those things, uh, in my experience this year, has been the Bardsteads. They're a group of uh, 
very, very talented musicians who trundle around Anvil playing music. And they, well, we had the pleasure of being camped on the opposite side of the fence to where they uh, where they camp. Uh, so where I see their OC. And we got to hear them uh, warming up, tuning up and doing a little bit of practice. And just while we're, you know, sort of we're hammering away with our mallets and setting up our, our campsite for the weekend, this lovely music just drifting over the fence from about five, ten metres away. It was lovely. Absolutely lovely. Um, we'll talk more about them later, uh, things like songs and stories. But uh, just when we were setting up camp, having this little, little musical experience trickle over the fence, just, oh, I can't put my finger on it. It just, it just felt wonderful. Um, we also, as Black Scar, uh, once most people had arrived, uh, we did some drill. Now, anybody who's heard of Black, heard of Black Scar knows that we're, uh, we're a very old group, a very old unit, and we've done, you know, we've fought together for the last six, seven, eight years at Empire. Um, and I'd like to think, and I think it's fair to say, we have a good rep. We're an extremely competent, effective fighting unit and the reason you know we have this rep is because we're actually good <laughs> we're actually very good fighters not just individually but as a cohesive unit and the reason we've got there is a years of practice but b drill if any of you listening are um, you know group leaders or unit leaders find the time on a friday to get your lot together and do some drill uh, we have some basic calls that we do. So um, last orders is a defensive line with a front rank kneel. So you can't get, you know, um, how do I describe it? Not quite cold feet, but if, you've ha if you have a defensive line for where people are standing and if something terrifying shows up like an Ent or a pack of Etacaps, people will naturally take a step back and you'll give ground. If the front rank kneels, you're not going anywhere. And because you form that resolute line, the people behind you feel much more confident and you hold the ground much more effectively. And also you can brace two, you know, two rows of spears over each other. And frankly, I've never seen any unit charge us in last orders other than one time where we were, I think we were fighting, I think we were fighting Jotun and uh, essentially the, the monster unit was ready to respawn and uh, they ran into us and they died. So yeah, uh, the last orders, a defensive line, uh, bangarang is a, is a charge and the idea is it doesn't matter what the word is but it's about call and response so if i just go charge and start running no one's no one near me has any time to react or prepare for what's about to happen so what you've got to do is have a call word um it, you know it could be broken bow it could be bloodthorn something like that but the idea is the commander will yell bloodthorn everyone's aware shit we're about to charge and then as an individual trooper, if you're ready to charge, you scream, Bloodthorn! And then you start to go forwards. And it gives your whole unit a chance to react, prepare for the order, and then execute that charge in one go. The result is you get a wall of 20 screaming thorns running at you, and uh, most units we bang around break. And if they don't, they die. So, yeah, having a good charge command, a good defensive line command is, is critical. And then the final one is a secret mission. It's essentially slow backwards walk as a unit where we need to, we need to leave and uh, you know whatever position we're in is shit, but we're going to leave slowly and not get rear charged because retreats are where people die. So three simple things, 
stand, charge and retreat, get those calls sorted out of your group and get drilling. And the way we do drill is we actually have some very experienced uh, fencers, like OC fencers with us. And what we do is we do a few games, kind of like sword tag, you could call it one-on-one -on -one warm ups. And then we just practice all of those commands against uh, an empty road, we'll line up in a line, scream a bangerang and charge, secret mission, and then last orders and rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat until you get a natural flow, a natural cadence. And uh, as a result, you've got a well-drilled unit that won't die. Fingers crossed. But anyway, long point, but just doing drill on a Friday night. It's a lot of fun. Well, the Friday afternoon. Uh, for this event, I actually um, invested a fair wallop of um, cash money on uh, special effects. So I got a brand new set of like Snaz face paints because I've only had black and red up until now. Um, ironically, I only use black and red now, which is stupid, but whatever. I got a really nice fancy set with blues and yellows and greens. So I could do thorns and other people, people's Naga scales, that, that kind of stuff. Um, some fixing spray so I don't sweat it off, as always, because I love running and getting sweaty, as mentioned. And I also got some alcohol activated face paint as well for some of the um, like the smaller tattoos that I wanted to stay on all weekend. And um, it was awesome, because up until now, with my snaz, I've been kind of slapdash of it, um, and I've always had to sort of borrow people's kit. And I feel bad, because you know, I've been doing this for years, and frankly, I should have a better setup, because um, I've spent years and years doing it. And I wanted to, this event, I really wanted to up my uh, face paint game, and I did. It was very fun, very cool. Um, it felt really good to actually sit there. I've got, got it all in a single box and just whip it out. I've got my brushes, my mirrors, my paints, my fixes. And it was just an easy experience rather than going, oh, oh sorry, can I oh, get a little finger of that? Oh, thanks. And f feeling bad for using people's stuff because, you know, they've had to go out, go out and get it right. But yeah, it felt very cool. But the other thing on the SFX side is uh, blood capsules. Got a pot of uh, fake blood spray but also blood capsules you chew and then you kind of dribble blood out your mouth um, i went through pretty much the entire packet this weekend i loved it it was awesome 100 percent. get some blood capsules keep them in a pouch so but when you you know when you get injured you can start you know uh, just you know make it really dramatic for the people picking you up and um frankly it's a lot of it's a lot of fun but when, you know, you're face down on the floor screaming and someone get you know, a physic gets to you, they turn you over and there's blood just pouring out of your nose and your mouth and you're like, help, help, mummy, I want my mummy. And you can see, you know, they're, they're enjoying it, it's a game. But in their eyes, the initial reaction is, oh my fucking God, oh my God, this is a, a real casualty. And, uh, well, it makes other people's laugh experiences more rich and uh, that is a good thing to do. Finally, um, oh, I've, I've kind of talked about this already, but uh, my new armor layout, um, i.e. none, um, is a lot of fun. Uh, Call of Duty mode at Empire is very fun in terms of not having to sweat and change my outfit and my underlayers after every skirmish or battle because they're soaked. Um, I can just run around in the tunic, trousers and the jacket with my quiver and my bow. Getting injured is pretty common, but uh, that's the price I pay for comfort. So anyway... That's um, what I was prepping on Friday. And the reason I mentioned my armor layout is I got dressed. Um, and I was thinking, right, 
there are going to be skirmishes and stuff after standing and the general's election, so I want to be ready for combat. Uh, oh, wait. I am ready. So, yeah, that was a nice feeling. Time in. Disclaimer. Lindir spent some uh, the downtime between E2 and E3 in Sarengrave. Um, it's just to the east of Thrun and across a big lake. It's full of druge, and it was deeply unpleasant. Whilst uh, Lindir is still naive to Anvil politics, his innocence is lost, let's say. And from an OC point of view, it was hard to be totally blind to everything at Empire, like, you know, you know fighting druge, um, imperial politics, how money works, that kind of thing. When I first made Linda, he was super naive, and I kind of, you know, it was funny for the first event, well, the first, you know, Sunday he was alive, but it, it just wouldn't make any sense for him to stay that way for long. So the the backstory was, hey, he's gone to Sarengrave, he's seen some shit, and now, you know, it's it's why he's good with his bow, it's why he's good in battle, but he still doesn't get the finer points of Imperial politics, because he has no experience, still. So yeah, um... Just use that bit of backstory to kind of average out the difference between E2 Lindir and E3. So, first things first, standing. Uh, <laughs> the inquiring ink cap that I mentioned above ran an article on ban. Now, I wasn't, I was kind of aware of this, but I hadn't, you know, the first thing, sort of first thing when I spawned in, well, sorry, I guess timed in, um, I, I didn't go looking for one. Um, I actually listened at standing. And what happened is someone tapped me on the shoulder and was like, look at this. And uh, showed me the paper. And there I was in the papers. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is great. And, you know, technically I knew it was coming, but it surprised me so early. And it was so funny to read the article. It was absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, what what a way to start a weekend. We're barely 20 minutes in and I'm already guffawing at myself. And I, oh, this is, this is really, this is really nice. Second part of standing is that um, for those of you who are in the bar, you might have been aware that there was some uh, difference of difference in approach when it came to tackling uh, the final remnants of the heirs of Terranel, I think, and the Fenny that were in the way. Long story short, uh, one of our former generals, uh, Clay Taru, and one of our current senators, Travid Longest Path, decided to warn the Fenny, which are ostensibly our enemies from the Empire's point of view uh, that we were coming the idea was to get them out of the way so we could get to the heirs of Terranel effectively uh, long story short again uh, that plan worked spectacularly well uh, the Fenny were oh oh gosh yeah sure we'll get out of the way we murdered all the heirs and we probably came out of that whole scenario smelly of roses in terms of tactical objectives achieved However, people were not happy that we'd let our enemies know we were coming and started uh, Travis just trying to speak at standing. He got heckled, understandably. I love heckling. Um, heckling is a, I've got a note here. Heckling is a sport. And what a good match this was because we had two separate, you know, the two divides in the nation yelling at each other. And then Travid, I have never seen, you know, Martin um, is, you know, Tra Martin uh, is my friend. He plays Travid in the game. Uh, Martin is an exceptionally nice and calm person, and that translates into Travid as well. But there was a point where Travid had had enough, and he got out his book, banged it on top of the Songs and Story Circle fire pit, and yelled, shut up. And it was like 
uh, you know, we've all been kids, I, I hope. <laughs> um, it's the first time you hear your parent yell. And there was this stunned silence. Because, you know, people yell at Empire all the time. But to see Travid yell, oh, that sent shivers up my spine. And what a delightful little nugget that was. That was, mm, mwah. Chef's kiss. <laughs> what a moment. But anyway, uh, standing went on. I was uh, sort of chatting to people and some of some of friends, um, mainly about the Inquiring Ink Cap article. I kind of, uh, <laughs> my pride and joy all of a sudden, taking it around to other people in the circle and giving them a subtle tap and saying, hey, have you seen this guy? What a cretin, right? So anyway, standing finishes up and we move on to the elections. So, two armies, two Navari armies, the Black Thorns, one of our oldest, largest and fastest moving armies, and our brand new one, the Sailor's Dance, or Isolas, I say a Sailor's, um, I, I don't know, um, pronunciation is a guide, not a rule, whatever, it's now a Sailor's Dance. <laughs> um, a Sailor's Dance is brand new, it's just mustard, and uh, this was going to be their first ever general. So. Um, Lindir has a couple of friends uh, competing for both titles. Uh, one is Clay, who's the, who was the incumbent Blackthorn general, the one who had dealt with the Fenny. And then Larkin Shattersong, of uh, Ban Shattersong's uh, beloved friend, <laughs> was competing for a Sailor's Dance. Now, I've only, you know, Lindir's only met them briefly, but on an OC point, these two are my friends, and uh, <laughs> like, oh yeah, just watching them go for it. What a one experience. So, um, and, and both very different. So let, let's start with the Blackthorns, because uh, it was first. Um, it was a real slugfest. Knives out, peak political PvP. Uh, Travid got dragged in again at some point. Loads of yelling from the crowd, and not least from a player called Hakon, um, who, who's played by someone called Justin. Uh, Justin is a phenomenal LARPer. Um, mighty, broad, tall, bellowing voice, and uh, oh, I don't know. This 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 is going to sound like a bit of a love letter, isn't it, to you, uh, to you, Justin? But uh, <laughs> every single interaction I've had with any of Justin's characters has been wonderful. They've been so goddamn brief, but they have always been so funny and uh, frankly interesting. I've always felt like I'm about to die on the end of them as he picks me up and breaks me over his knee, like a uh, I think it's Sanguinius and the Bloodthirster, but anyway. Um, <laughs> you know what, I've actually got them in my notes. So yeah, let's continue talking about Justin. So when I was playing Darren, who is my first ever character at, uh, at Empire, um, we went on a skirmish. Uh, this would have been, oh gosh, what was? Kiartan, Kiartan 2 feet, that was it. Justin was playing him. And uh, we go on a skirmish, there's some loot. We get the loot and we get off. And I make the point at the end, like, hey, you know, we, you know, i.e. Blackscar, uh, a contingent of Blackscar at this point, um, fought for this. We want some of it. And he was like, no, this is going in the nation's chest. And I was like, yeah, but what about us? And he was like, are you not part of this nation? Would you have me fight for money like some lowly beggar? You know, it was really good indignation. And then Darren responds with, you fight like a beggar. <laughs> just, his, just, his eyes narrow lunges for me and like saw three people restrain him and you know we, we're, we're separated from each other but uh, it was one of those one of those zingers it just came out of nowhere 
and about half a second's processing time and it just mm, again chef's kiss it landed perfectly and uh, i think that set the standard for any of our interactions if you disagree just him dm me and i'll <laughs> we'll uh we'll have to talk it out but um what i dropped during this um during this election was uh he was yelling support for his candidate and then i responded with double the volume but half the wisdom and <laughs> just this heckling match between us in, in the voting queues and he just looks at me dead in the eye and goes fuck you <laughs> and, and what this means is um i didn't realize at the time but it was a uh, i have no response to that damn and he, he caught me later and said i need to buy you a drink because you got me good or or words to that effect and uh again i'm not making this realistically an hour and a half long podcast episode to ask for a drink but i'm totally asking for a drink from hack on anyway history aside um the election kicks off almost immediately with clay getting cursed um and at this point linda just is like oh my god you've cursed somebody that's not nice so i jump up with my knife and chase the cursor um by the way I should know this, having played ban, um, cursing people is totally legal in Empire. So I caught up with the, the person who delivered the curse. And he said, you know, don't stab me. This is entirely legal. I realized, oh, yeah, it is. So I, I just, you know, have a very lame attempt at chastising him. And he's like, don't shoot the messenger. This isn't my curse. And um, yeah, I went and sat back down. But uh, what this curse had done is I think it made Clay very angry like unable to process complex things i'm not sure but fundamentally major disadvantage uh for what was about to be the political fight of his life the candidates were really good none of them saw solo stood on the the shit on clay pillar uh the shit on clay pillar was oh you talk to enemies you let them know we were coming you're a traitor right there was plenty of that spice in there but no one actually relied on that to, to make their point. So that, that was good. Um, I've got OC and IC opinions, which I'm going to drop here because they're brief, um, on the resulting winner. Uh, there was a player called, um, oh, sorry, a citizen called Caro. Apologies, I don't know the player's name. Um, they won. I think we're a pretty decent chunk of the vote. Now, props to Caro because they have advanced very quickly. Last event at E2, he was um, given voice of the Thorns Council as a position uh, out, of, out of nowhere. As, uh, I mean, I haven't been aware of the player um, you know, myself as, as banned, but then again, I was often off stealing shit, so who knows. Um, Harrow kind of came in, took that position, and then one event later, bang, takes the Black Thorns. And uh, you know, to step up on the up to the plate against people who've been scheming for a general's position for you know, over a year, and then also an existing general with major wins under his belt, and then punch at their weight is an awful, is an awesome achievement. Um, especially with getting voices thorns last summit, it was like watching a meteor. So a, a perfect example of go for it, at empire, at least in my eyes. I see. What the fuck is this guy doing? We won. We can't betray our enemies. Clay and Travid are heroes. They took the risk and it paid off. Very much a case of the ends justifying the means. I thought they were courageous and wise and to see Clay cast out 
from a position he loved so dearly, pissed off Lindir immeasurably. So yeah, very opposite feelings on an IC and an OC front. Um, especially seeing someone, you know, OC, going from Voice of Thorns to General in a single event, absolute champ move. But IC is like, well, where's, you know, you're just going to dump a position every time a shinier one comes along. So it, it didn't impress him. Uh, so this results in lots of screaming and yelling, um, especially heckling during the voting. I think Clay, once Clay loses the vote, he, uh, the changing rage kicks in. He goes off and starts to just scream in the background and the rest of Blackscar go and kind of contain him from killing everybody in the area. And then we move on to a sailor's dance. Uh, this was much more civil and a damn sight quicker. Now, Larkin Shattersong is uh, one of the uh, the standing candidates. And then I believe it's Quinn Longshadow now. Quinn, I'm sorry if I got that wrong. Uh, I, from what I remember, Quinn had just changed striding. But two very competent captains. Um, you know, OC, I've, I've fought with Matty for like years. Um, I see Linda's made friends with Matt um, with Larkin, sorry, and has seen her fight at a previous event, so he knows her. But then also Quinn um, organises a lot of skirmishes in the VAR, or um, at least did so. Um, I haven't seen. I saw a lot of him. <laughs> I saw a lot of him at E3, but not for those fighting reasons. But they're both very competent, and like in an OC level, hard to hard, really hard to pick between them. And I see it's kind of the same. Linda likes both of them. Let's see what happens. Um, and so, yeah, my point was going to be, I wish Bannon could have been alive to see this uh, because the, the whole Shatter Song striding, it's about ambition. Ambition to be the greatest you can be in whatever it is that you do. Um, Bans was becoming the greatest criminal in the Empire and Larkins was becoming general of a sailor's dance. And Larkin achieved that. Uh, she won, spoilers. And damn, yeah wish Ban could have been alive to see that because it would have been so satisfying but anyway on to the candidates themselves the actual discussion itself the uh, the pitch if you will before we voted uh quinn was bang on the money like really respectable candidate genuine fair and he, and he stood in his own virtue rather than the weaknesses of others and you could also tell that quinn and larkin liked each other you know they were they were battle-hardened allies. This wasn't political knives out like the Blackthorns, which, don't get me wrong, entertaining as hell. But this was heartwarming to see two people competing. But no matter who we picked, it was a win. And for them, they didn't. it wasn't the be-all and end-all of their, of their existence. They were happy to let the other person win because it was all based on, on merit. And um, the nation... Yeah, my notes here, the nation was the real winner. But uh, Larkin, what a speech. Well won and well deserved. Um, the actual voting split was quite surprising. So I think Larkin got a uh, a majority, quite a strong one on the votes. I think maybe 60, 70% of them. However, from the way they both pitched, um, I don't think that represented how close it was. Of course, this is my personal opinion. It might have been different but I, I genuinely was sat there at the end thinking gosh it's a it's almost a coin toss scenario um they both did very very well on to national training after the two elections are done um <laughs> with the the two 
brand new, brand new minted generals being dragged off the military council, which they were late for. The rest of us get on with our weekends. And for Lindir, this was going on to national training and the Navarchers. So Lindir is an archer. There is an archer unit in Navarre. It's called the Navarchers. And as part of national training, they go down. And uh, from my brief experience with them, the idea is to meet other archers, of course, but also help the Thorns train with and against archery. So we did the usual, some, some combat drills. And, and from my point earlier on the Friday afternoon, drill, drill, drill. And I feel like Navarre has got better as a fighting nation in the last few years. And I think that is, I think a lot of it is down to these kind of drill sessions. They are critical. And if you haven't been to them, go to at least one. It's a really good experience. And also, it's, it's a social. It's really fun. Um, so yeah, the Navarchers, lovely, lovely bunch. Uh, it was being run by Talis Ashbourne at this event. Um, I think, oh gosh, I've forgotten Antonio's uh, character name. Um, bugger. Essentially, there is a um, there is a captain of the Navarchers who didn't come to E3. So Talis took um, Talis took over, and did a really, really, really good job. Uh, the whole group itself really fun to chill with. Um, there was a slight concern over the poundage of my bow uh, luckily it's it's not over it's 28 pounds out of 30 but it's a pretty hefty longbow and one of the um kind citizens in the bar is actually a, a former uk archery champion so when she pulled on this bow she's like bloody hell this is are you sure this is going to pass weapons check so um you know went down and of course it did but uh there's a little bit of a, a throbbing panic in my throat of please God, no, I love this thing. <laughs> Please, I don't, you know, because when I got checked at the last event, I was like, huh, was that a fluke? It can't be a fluke. But yeah, that uh, that doubt in my heart was quickly extinguished. Um, I've got a note here that I skipped national training for like three years. And as I said before, it's actually really fun. Um, how much of it applies in the field is a bit questionable, I think. Um, I think there's a few scenarios where we, you know, fighting groups of three against other groups of three, which is pretty rare, but um, it it builds cohesion in the nation. It allows you to identify your friends who are going to be fighting with you in battle lines, and cohesion is fundamentally what wins you battles. Um, again, in my notes here, look at Wintermark on the Sunday battle. We got them good, and I'll touch more on that later on. So, anyway, national training finishes, and there's no skirmishes. There are, sorry, no skirmishes coming up on the Friday evening that Lindy's going to get on. So it's time to settle into the plan. And that plan is getting some cash for drinks. Hashtag story time. Last event, Lindy got shot on the front line whilst Navarre were retreating. The classic way for a character to die at LARP. Now, luckily, one Anwin Stormbroke picks me up and saves my life. At this point, I utter the classic, I owe you a pint, and thus we proceed to E3. Bearing in mind, we only had, I don't know, four hours of game time at E2 when this actually happened. So got it all left over uh, the distance between the two events. And then now it's time to make good on my debts. Again, I'm a Lannister, just a late Lannister. So I go off, um, I have a Dragonbone Forest, um, the only reason I picked it is because the frizz rep, the little bones, are really cool. Um, I used to have a Tempest Jade mine with Ban because um, I like green rocks. 
Um, <laughs> and then now I've picked on the the sort of beigey bone cylinders. Um, uh, what can I say? I'm, I'm a simple creature. It's a it's shiny rock or cool shape cool shape cylinder. It's it's just fun to have a sack of them. I I know I could you know you could get a military unit and step into the the MU game, but I just like opening my player back and having just a bunch of bricks in there. It's it's ah, so cool. <clears throat> I I love the Fizzreps, uh, the resource Fizzreps at Empire. They're just they're just perfect. But anyway, time to go trading with my Dragonbone, and I go to the Orcs, and I've never actually traded with the Orcs before. I didn't go into the camp, but I met one of them at the front of their uh, of their camp, the sort of gated area they've got, and um, made an absolute bomb. Uh, turns out that Dragonbone was in very short supply at this event. So I, um, well, I think I sold 22, 22 of them for around about 28. Eight crown. I think it was twenty-seven and a half crowns. Now, usually, um, you know, these these kind of resources like Dragon Bone, Tempest Jades, um, Iridescent Gloaming, they sell for about a crown each, ish, right? It's it's pretty reliable. Now to get so you know, only sold twenty-two, but I got let's call it twenty-eight back. Um, yeah, an extra six crowns on top of profit. Pretty solid. Pretty solid indeed. Um, it was also. That the orc actually had a little table for comparing the prices of resources and you know how many rings were you know how many rings it was worth and how many crowns and thrones that translated to for for convenience's sake. It was kind of like an X and Y lookup graph, and I just thought that was very cool, very practical, very uh, prepared for trading. Because my um my my empire maths has got better throughout the years, but I don't carry any kind of um. I don't know, not an abacus or anything like that, but I haven't got anything to actually do calculations on the fly on my character. I've kind of just done napkin maths most of the time. But uh, yeah, it was just cool to see this little this little lookup table. It was sort of laminated and... Sorry, no, it wasn't laminated. It had um, kind of like a frame to it and you could sort of drag this X and Y marker uh, to whichever point on the graph you wanted to. And based on the resource, it had different charts. And yeah, it, it, it looked very detailed and I was very impressed. So I made a good trade and I spent the sort of 8 eight to 10 p.m. slot doing stuff like walking around, um, a decent amount of it in Wintermark actually, and um, taking my new, like Steve, my new player around and introducing him to people and showing him Anvil IC because the, the Friday afternoon walkabout is always a good idea. However, doing it when there's actually game going on, A, you can run into random plot, but B, it's also just a more accurate experience um, for walking around in the OC time and then finally after I'm I've done this with Steve the time comes for drinks and I trundle up uh, Murder Alley to the Black Scar camp got any secrets to share says a creepy cloaked figure <laughs> Um, I've got a couple. <laughs> Gotta hate my notes sometimes. Um, <laughs> at this point, I hashtag ignore the ref. Hashtag ignore the speaker. This this audio speaker playing spooky music. And I go, yeah, I'm late for buying Antwin a drink. Stop. I'm like, excuse me. The ref who was literally stood next to this. This bloody figure, this cloaked figure with this spooky music. He steps forth in his bright yellow tabard, and I'm like, ah, oh, 
fuck, what have I done? Hands me a lammy. And at this point, I realise that I need to be more vigilant. And I've, I have just fucked up. One of my dear friends, uh, Finn, who plays Rifflin uh, in Black Scar, uh, is, is capering around, <laughs> loving this, and he begs to see my lammy because this uh, essentially this this creature is a tulpa. It steals secrets. It's been walking around trying to get people to give it secrets, and of course they've gone fuck off. Linda, of course, has given it a secret like an idiot. So um, <laughs> Rifflin comes around. He's like, "Oh my god." Linda, no, what have you done? Quick, and, uh, you know, begs to see the Lammy, and, and the role-playing effect is um, that, that you see as, as a player before you open it, is that, um, I'm going to paraphrase here, everything about the secret you've just shared, you have forgotten, and everything related to it, you have also forgotten. So, at this point, I'm like, oh, bugger how do i play this and so riffle and i have a little little loosey chat about it just under our breath but uh we decide on the idea that i have basically for, so the whole point is buying anwin a drink that stretches all the way back to e3 so i'm going to forget anwin i'm going to forget about the drink i'm going to forget about all of the events that have happened this evening sort of between eight and ten because you know in theory at that point i was going around trading to get money to buy a drink and the way i described it to people is imagine like a spider's web with the dream of the um the secret at the center and then everything that's linked is just gone the space in between like national training sure that's fine but uh like i remember that but uh anwin drinks evening plans what i've just done it's all gone out the window um, oh, actually, I've got a quote here. You've forgotten everything about the secret you just shared and any memory, any uh, memory related to it. So uh, yeah, poof, everything goes for most of E3, and Lindir.exe has stopped working. <laughs> um, the worst part of this is that when Finn opens the Lammy, it is blank on the inside. <laughs> Now, you know, at this point, we should have realised something was wrong, gone back to the ref, but we just rolled a bit with, fuck, it's a role-playing effect, and there is no way to fix it. So, just, we just looked each other dead in the eye, wide, like, eyes wide like a cat, and like, there's nothing we can do. Sniggering, let's go. Time to go and enjoy this fuck-up. So, uh, I think, right, I've got to go and, uh, I've got to make this easy, I can't just waltz off and never never ever talk to them again because uh, that, that's difficult um of course it, with this kind of role play I, of course i've forgotten about um the whole plan however i find of empire and role playing that you've got to if that kind of thing happens you've got to make sure that the other person knows about it somehow so i decided to happen to walk by the stormbroke camp and happen to catch anwin's eye and then uh, when she came up and said oh you know are you ready to go uh, i dropped the the classic line, who are you? <laughs> and I, I, I watch her face drop. And uh, there's, a, <laughs> there's a little smile on mine, but I try and suppress it as, as much as I can. But just what, just dropping, who are you? And I can see all the cogs turning, like, is this a new character? How have you died in the space of four hours? What the fuck is going on? And I, I point to the lammy that's tucked into my belt. And luckily, this is where Quinn Longshadow is also on the scene as well. 
So uh, he incites me, and uh, I get to pull out the delightful effect of this Lammy being blank. And once again, enjoying the wide eyes of a panicked priest. <laughs> um, sorry, a, panic, a panicked mage. I think it was Detect Magic, actually, not Insight. But um, seeing the panic as they read the effect, and there's nothing inside. <laughs> then realising, oh my god, what has happened to this, this poor citizen? What on earth do we do next? At this point, it's off to Varushka we go. Because uh, there's the rumours of the of the Tulpa, this this creature stealing uh, secrets, has kind of spread around the whole of Anvil, to be honest, by this point. So we go off. There's like ten of us, uh, most of the Stormbroke, myself, Quinn. Um, we go off to Varushka, and with no real plan in mind other than we need to find out what the hell has taken Lindir's memories. So we we go in there. Um, I, I get to have this wonderful roleplay experience of meeting Anwin again, um, meeting some other you know, Thorns at Stormbroke too, and <laughs> you know, un under my uh, not under my breath, but just deep inside, I'm I'm cackling with laughter because it, it's hilarious. But on the outside, it, it, it's quite wholesome. It you know, being really friendly, like oh gosh, everyone's so nice here. Oh, you're all being really nice towards me. I've never met you in my life, but this is great. And uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. We um, end up in Varushka and have a fantastic roleplay experience with i i'm sorry didn't get the name of their um oh, is veil a group for varushka god i should know this their group oh, it's got to be veil yeah for boyar that runs a veil you've got earl that runs a household to march yeah okay yeah whatever yeah so this uh the leader of this veil uh, a wise one, some of their sort of uh, typically older in Varushka. Essentially knows lots about monsters. We go in, and uh, Varushkans have hearth magic that involves hospitality, where if, if a monster comes in, they're often disguised as a, as a person, but if you offer them hospitality, they can't strike you. So we go in, and Lindir, of course knowing things, but not who the fuck he's with, <laughs> understands, oh, you know, if you get offered a seat, you take it, get offered some food, you know, you take some, have a little nibble on some grapes, and some of the other, um, the other Navar we had with us, but, you know, of course, you know, don't get this, and they go, oh, no, no, thank you, of course, they're being polite, and uh, the, the, the Varushkans, who were charming and friendly and very, very welcoming, suddenly go stone hard cold and demand that they have some, and I, and I explain, Lydia explains at this point, like, oh, no, it's, it's important, just, just take a seat, have some, you know, if if you'd like to, unless you're genuinely not hungry, and uh, but just you know, say that you accept their hospitality. It's very important that we accept their hospitality right now, otherwise we're getting a boot in our ass, and out we go. So uh, we get to sit there in a circle, talking with them, explaining what's happened to me. Uh, the, the poor Navar, the poor Stormbroke lot, have to explain what on earth has just happened with very little information you know quinn's got a role-playing effect description and the rest have he's forgotten everything but they eventually um nail down on this tulpa which is the name of the secret stealing monster and fundamentally don't know how to deal with it and at this point they point us towards urizen we go to an urizeni uh a large urizeni tent there's like a spire meeting going on inside i get chucked in 
and uh, again another really cool deep role-playing experience and uh, and when I say that you know chatting to citizens having a battle uh, sorry a fight a skirmish a scrap whatever it's all role-play right but this was important you know you, when you go and you can just tell that like this is a highlight of their weekend you know we do not know these people oh see I've got no idea who they are I've never met them before we never had interactions in Anvil either they are totally new and we're coming in with something quite serious um, a curse basically and at this point they, they sit us down again One a very high lineage Mero gets a pair of lights out and starts doing what I later find out to be their hearth magic and some rituals and playing along with that and starting to get twinges of my memory or like sort of, I, I called it I uh, I kind of had to just roll with things at this point but I kind of described it as a, as a black spot in my memory or ouch that word hurts kind of thing and uh, that got very very exciting we kept it going for about 20-30 minutes but at this point it's it's cropping up to midnight and people are getting tired so I just yeah, I try and not in an OC way but just try and drop that look we're not going to get anywhere and I say I think it's best if we retire and approach this again once more in the morning and at this point we call it quits for the evening um, I, I basically trundle back to camp uh, say goodbye to the Stormbroke lot and uh, and go to sleep because getting not an early night but just some sleep is uh, big and smart and would 100% recommend it because it gives you the energy to fight well not even I mean for me fight on the Saturday but for anyone uh, to enjoy the Saturday the big cheese the the meat of the hamburger of any Empire event so on to Saturday and oh my god it's taken one hour nine minutes and 44 seconds to get through six hours of RP bloody hell right I promise this will I promise this will uh, this will pick up in speed but stay the same of Juicy Heartfelt. <laughs> I, I, I hope. Juicy Heartfelt content. Anyway, Saturday. Battle against the Druge. I've got a mini hots and knots just for this battle. Uh, number one, Sam Fisher Knife Kills. Um, I think that's the name of the guy in Splinter Cell. Uh, someone called me Sam Fisher. Um, basically, I got around a flank where actually Blackscar were engaged. And there was a Druge in the, in the bushes just kind of heckling them. So I, I do, you know, the classic stealth crouch walk. I do that. He somehow doesn't see me. It makes sense because Druge, the York masks have terrible peripheral vision. And I sneak up behind him with a knife in my hand, kind of like a Royal Marine commando coming out of the bushes in those adverts. And yeah, you know, knife goes on him, Orc goes down, and then I, I melt back into the bushes. It was uh, It was pretty fucking cool. And doing that in front of my friends as well. They caught me at the end and went, holy crap, Lindir. That was awesome. Um, so yeah, 10, 10 out of 10 RP moment. Probably one of the highlights of the weekend. Um, some other like some other parts of this whole fight. Um, I did a hit fire shotgun kill, as described by the senator for Kinia. Um, result dance walker. Because um, they were, again, they were fighting around this corner, some druge, and I, I come around behind them and just go, oi, scum, and just... Uh, you know, low draw, long bow, but fire from the hip, hit the Struge in the belly and he drops dead. And uh, it was kind of like just kicking in the door and like a SWAT raid and, you know, a shotgun just firing it into a room. It was, uh, it was pretty badass, not going to lie. Didgeridoos. One of the bards did plays a didgeridoo. And uh, said player was 
<laughs> capering around on the fucking battlefield playing this didgeridoo. Again, in the classic, you know, crouch walk, just waddling around playing it. So yeah, I went and crouch walked next to him and uh, <laughs> we just wandered around the front lines um, hunting out Druge. At this point, we were on the main field, so there was, and you know, the Vard formed up, Dawn formed up, and we were kind of mopping up the remnants of the battle. So we had like 500 people just staring, just staring at us as we did redo our way around this field, taking pot shots at Druge. And this leads to the knee shot. So there's a couple of Druge archers harassing Dawn, and they're not firing back. So your hero of the day, Lindir Thornhart, runs to the front. One of them turns, fires at him, and then did ducks underneath the arrow. Classic Matrix move. He stands up, knocks his arrow, fires, and it hits the other Druze who's not paying attention, dead in the knee, between the steel greaves covering their leg and the chainmail skirt covering their thigh. It is the knee shot. It is perfect. And this props this monster they go down screaming it's wonderful the other archer runs off dawn cheers navarre cheers i run forwards because this is my 47th kill i need this because if i'm going to break my record at 46 this one has to die to my blade so yeah um i'm missing out a lot of the battle but fundamentally it was again once again for lindir loads of shots Skirmishing on the front line. One of my friends, Alison, she plays Gwen. Uh, using it both the first time, we, we sort of paired up for a bit. Uh, another player, Ty, who I've done a few episodes with on this podcast, saw him. And yeah, just running around, being an archer, is the most fun I've had in the battlefield ever. Hands down. But anyway, we run up onto the Struge, and there's some knights panel beating the shit out of it. And I'm screaming, no, no, it's mine, it's mine, I need it for my record. And as I said at the start of the episode, um, an hour and 13 minutes ago, we uh, we um, will have a great laugh because it's a, it's a wonderful shot. The monster congratulates me on it because it, this is over like 30, 40 meters. It, it was really, it was a real long dolly drop. It was a, it was a good shot. And uh, you know, Dawn go, all right, it's yours. It's yours. You know, well done, citizen. That was, uh, that was glorious. And, uh, and then the monster itself is cackling away as I sort of, you know, cut off his ears and stab him in the toes that kind of thing and yeah a lot of fun and a, re a real highlight and um yeah it totally paints over the um the, the pretty close call we actually had inside the forest um i've put here the mad crush in the forest plus the triangle of death so because the forest is pretty hard to maneuver in as an army what happens is you have basically mobs on both sides running into each other and and it's pretty hard to get flanks because it's just hard bracken and it's again like fighting in a spider's web right where you can only travel along the web itself and not the space in between and at one point three blobs of imperial troops get kesseled together by these druge mobs on the outside there's only three there's three ways into this glade and they're all covered by druge mobs and we get surrounded now, you know, Wintermark are used to getting surrounded. They form shield walls. They're, they're pretty used to it. We are not. We are used to being able to run and run fast and away. We couldn't. So follows what follows is some of the most desperate fighting I've ever seen. Uh, Black Scar in there. Um, a chunk of 
Urizen, I want to say, and some Dornish Knights as well. And we get crushed, and we just fight tooth and nail. A lot of us go down. You know, we get slaughtered in some places. There are suicidal charges to make space on other flanks. So, um, so Gwen and I, like, not point blanking, but maybe across 10 meters, we're popping behind shields and popping shots into knees, that kind of stuff, just to try and stem the tide. It is absolutely wild. Uh, and thanks to the, the efforts of all three groups, there's, there's no one who can really be singled out. Um, we eventually break open one of the, uh, one of the Jewish mobs, and we finally managed to get some space and fall back into there. But it was genuinely really close, like a 40 or 50 player kill. It was it was really quite concerning. But yeah. Um Lindir's just gonna forget about that. Final final note here is uh Lindir does not understand loyalty. Um so I wanted I I tried to fight with three separate groups uh during this battle and I didn't really do a good job of any of them. Uh the Navarches, of course. Um really wanted to fight with them and I just ended up running off doing my own thing. Uh, the scouts as well. I worked with a couple of them trying to ferry messages and unit dispositions to, to unit commanders. And of course, Black Scar as well. I'm, I'm the only archer. So I've had a few a few times with all three of these groups I'll pop up out of nowhere, take a few pot shots. I'm not going to say save the day, but, you know, somebody else did. <laughs> but uh, and, and then melt off into the bushes again. Um, you know, essentially as an independent fighter. And it was quite hard because... Uh, I, I do really like unit play at Empire. And shifting between all three of these was... Um, I feel like I definitely missed out on some of the RP of being in a in a unit during a battle. Like, I had loads of awesome individual experiences, but living those kind of experiences as a unit is a lot more fun in my books. So next time, I think I'll try and stick to one of them. Maybe two. But yeah... Um, that, I, I think that briefly covers most of the, most of the battle. And, uh, we, we come back to camp. I, um, have the, the remnants of my French ration pack. Um, essentially, those of you who don't know me, I, um, I'm a bit weird in that I like ration packs. Um, I've had a lot of British Army ones, and what I've done this time to treat myself is a, got a French one. Let's see if the uh, the stereotype is true. Is the French food better, even for infantrymen? Yeah, the answer is yes. Like <laughs> this thing was actually lovely. Um, like sort of especially the meat in there as well. Some of the tuna stuff, delicious, absolutely delicious. Uh, and the reason I do this is not because I'm sadistic and I like eating gruel. It's that these things are, like really high calorie. They're quite balanced. Uh, they got loads of like isotonic drinks, teas, and stuff in them as well. And the idea is you can cram this into your body in the space of like 15 minutes in camp, have a little sit down, but then you've got enough energy to keep going for the rest of the weekend and not crash. And works every time. Would recommend you do it. Um, what I used to do is queue up in Moorish and have my sort of three meals a day kind of thing. And it just killed so much of my weekend. Like, don't get me wrong, sitting down in Moorish is super relaxing. Super fun if you do it with friends, of course. You, you could even meet other players in there and have an IC chat over a meal. It's great stuff. But having that rat pack means you can come off the battle, recharge, get back into playing pretty damn quickly. And that's exactly what I did. Because I was caught... I'm going to have to be careful here because I'm not going to talk about something that's active plot. I ran into a group, uh, the Redacted. 
and the redacted took me to the um the front redacted and asked me to stand around and just wait while they redacted and then once the event had finished i was then discharged from redacted this takes about 30 minutes after this i'm walking back up to the Navari camp and uh who do i walk into the person i'm looking for quinn long shadow at this point i've got Steve, my friend with me and we try and we essentially we start stage two the tackling Lindy's curse because you might have forgotten but Linda had his memory deleted because i'd forgotten as well until i just read it in my notes funny how that works right so yeah we um we have a bit of a plot twist here we realize that the lamy isn't blank it's just been stuck together inside out i'm not sure how to explain it but fundamentally the text is inside another, another piece of paper and we just couldn't see it in the dark like we, we really genuinely tried at night but during the day we had to like you know when you peel the sticker off just a corner of it came away and we just opened it up and then we found some of the mechanical effects um yeah it triggered a lot of game and it was a lot of fun because <laughs> it, it felt very much like a quest like a dd quest we had you know quinn uh quinn is a, is a bait i'm pretty sure you know at least a magical user amongst other things um my mate steve was playing just you know bashy combat thorn you know chainmail shield sword and then i'm rocking around with my longbow so we've kind of got the mage the ranger and the fighter as a little three going around and it just felt oh, i just again wholesome weekend it felt cool it felt like hey guys we're on a quest isn't this great and we're walking all over anvil we, we get to the regio in the end you're trying to work out what the hell is wrong and we're bouncing around all of these different information sources and trying to work things out and oh it was so it was so cool it was so cool and we we finally get to deal with this uh with this curse now it does take a lot of stages and i won't bore you with them mechanically but the TLDR is that after a bunch of rituals and stuff, the conclusion is that the Tulpa has my memories and they are gone. But I can get flickers of them back by engaging in Navari hearth magic, which is sitting down and sharing a meal with somebody. Now I got the, th this, it's not correct to call it a curse, but let's just call it a curse for that mechanic's sake. I had that curse removed from me. So I, I was cured of it, um, and that's how we found out the result was, sorry, that the memories are just gone. It also left a secondary curse for me. Um, I've got it for the next year, and it's essentially aftershock from the rituals used to find out what this first curse was. Um, it's called Mask of the Blinded Weaver, and the idea of it is that it obscures my magical item bonds, and um, anyone sort of trying to detect bond on me will just get no effect i think and it also makes me um well i put meerkat in my <laughs> uh, in what uh, essentially meerkat at mundane objects and, and what this means is occasionally things will catch my attention in the corner of my eye and i'll go <gasps> and look at them but it's just something mundane the glory square and dawn was an absolute fucking nightmare because this flag's just just fluttering 
everywhere. And I was just trying to stare at all of them, and it was it was hilarious. Like um, the uh, the Stormbreak lot came along and helped me, and uh, I'll, exp I'll explain in a second. But just staring around and just my head just jump jump jumping from flag to flag. Um, hilarity ensued, of course. So let's call this secondary curse uh, the Meerkat One Phase Two. Uh, at this point, Quinn is done. He walks off, and we realise we've got to the end of this plot. Let's crack on. About honestly, about two fucking seconds. Honestly, I want to say, oh, it's like two seconds later. I genuinely think it was about twelve to fifteen, because I said as much to Steve. I was like, Anvil has a funny way of giving you exactly who you want to see every time you need them. I said that, and four seconds later. Uh, I said this about, sorry, 10 seconds after saying goodbye to Quinn, and four seconds later, Anwin Stormbroke walks around the corner with the rest of Stormbroke in tow. And I'm like, oh my fucking god, would you look at that? And him and I just, <laughs> we just stare at each other, just laughing, like, see? See what I mean? It always happens that way. It always happens. So, they show up and ask how I'm doing. Part of the uh, the Mask of the Blinded Weaver curse is that you forget that it was cast on you so when they asked me with what you've been what have you been up to are you okay i couldn't respond with the specifics so this was just adding layers and layers of memory loss like i remembered for i've had my memories permanently stolen i'm not getting them back and i also forget that so there's there's just this 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 memory loss trifle is is absolutely heinous but uh um i try my best to rp properly I think I do it okay, but inside I'm just breaking because I'm like, I just can't, like, fundamentally it's done at this point. Um, the plot is done, let's just leave it. Linda's cursed for a year, whoop de doo time to fill those gaps in with doing stuff this weekend. But I can't say that, because I don't know. <laughs> so luckily Steve has been there listening in and he explains it loosely. The the funny part is, of course, you know, he's not a vape, so he doesn't really understand what he's saying either. So we have this ultra vague story about how Linda is okay, but he's actually not okay because he's also forgotten why he's okay. And, you know, Stormbroke being competent, take Linda under their wing once again. And, um, well, with Linda twitching like a mad like a madman, they make the sensible assumption that the curse has escalated and has not been cured. <laughs> And thus, we traipse off to Dawn and then Wintermark. Um, we go into Dawn. Uh, the flags are a nightmare. I think we go there to try and meet some people um, who might know a bit more about fixing me. And then we go into Wintermark to try and find some more information about this tulpa and see if anybody else has had their memories stolen by this thing. Um, they had. Now, the TLDR in this section, because this, this whole story from after the... After the Saturday battle, this takes us to like 6 in the evening. Ah, uh, no, that's not true. Maybe about 3 or 4 in the afternoon. But it's like, it is a, it's all intense RP during this entire period. And uh, I'm, again, not going to go into every single blow. But the TLDR is I'm trying my hardest to not just say, leave it. As it's, it's been a lot of fun for like 20 people at this point. Uh, but we keep running into walls because of the mechanics. Because we've already solved everything. And in the end, I suggest we find Quinn. We do. He explains everything, and the arc completes. But during during that process, I get to, you know, one of the Wintermark mystics 
sits me down and gives me some brownies and tries to engage in hearth magic to help me remember stuff. And um, I just go, oh, drinks. And of course, they don't get the, the context. They, they, they ha hand me a drink. And I was like, oh, this is lovely. And then I forget, you know, what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, it was just, it. it's those little role play moments where you meet people, you never met IT or OC. You're doing something serious and you get to engage with the like, the mechanics of the game. And uh, that's quite rare for me, personally. Uh, usually it's either you know, fighting or dicking around. But um, yeah, this was this was a lot of fun. So props to that Wintermark Hall. I did not get your name. And in true Lindir fashion, I have forgotten it. Phew. Right. On to the skirmishes. There were a bunch that Lindir got to go on this summit, and they were a lot of fun. Uh, the first was going to the Bone Hives to stop the Druze destroying them. Uh, I've actually got the results, which PD published after E3. Very, very handy uh, to actually see, you know, you know, we've always had to rely on people's word. Like, you know, did, did you win? Oh, yeah, yeah, we won. But you might find that actually mechanically they only had a minor victory, not a major one. They now publish this information. So um, for historians and chroniclers, it's a lot easier. Uh, and for us, we can also see, hey, you know, that thing we did. Did we even succeed? So, the Bone Hives. The Druze were only able to destroy two of them. So, meaning the Bone Hives won't produce anything until winter, uh, like the upcoming winter event. I think it's two events, which is not a bad thing. So, it's kind of like a minor victory. You know, it's, it's inconvenient for the owner, but for us, meh, good enough. Defending Beehives was pretty cool. Um, the next one was rescuing a kidnapped Navari and recovering uh, an ancient relic. Uh, there were two of them, two prisoners. Uh, we, so this this mission is led by uh, Ravadi, uh, who I brought on for an episode ages ago. And they um they basically turn this into like a SWAT hit. Uh, it's, it's like a spec ops smash and grab. So this skirmish has 20 minutes, and I think we only use seven of it in the end. We go in, we batter the crap out of these uh, these orcs we take the prisoners i think we leave one behind in the end because they, they get injured or something so it all happens so fast and then we also got the relic as well on that prisoner that we rescued so we got the important thing and the virus citizen got left behind but whoops you know it's not the biggest the biggest loss ever um let's call this a moderate a moderate victory and then the final one uh, was defeating a horror from the Spring Realm, threatening Dornish armies. And the result was that the beast was dealt with decisively, and the Dornish armies saved from its depredations. This was the skirmish that Lindia got to go on uh, with with Anwin and Stee, as uh, like Ken is his, his IC name, and uh, just like we essentially, like I said at the start, you know, promised twenty places, we had to argue just to get ten. And um, we get our little hit squad in as the vanguard. And we go in as all of these, all of the Druze you've been in the area are no longer cognizant. They've basically been infected by the spring horror. So when we turn up, they're kind of all just loitering near trees, but walking sort of very like zombie, jaggedly, but quick, twitchy kind of movements. Very unnerving. And when they notice us, they turn around, shriek and then run at us, weapons up, and just attack us without rhyme or reason. There's no strategy. They're not talking to each other. 
they just run in and start hacking away at us. And then once we clear them out, and there's a good number of them, like a good 30 or 40, this mega crab comes from the depths of the woods. It's a gigantic beetle with crab claws. And what happens is this poor thing gets stuck in the washing machine of death, where it is entirely surrounded, getting panel beaten by about 30 to 40 heroes, because the others can't get close enough, repeatedly. You know, Linda's getting some strikes in, Ken is getting some strikes with his longsword. Then there were some hilarious shots where I think the, the beast gets disarmed at one point, a crab claw falls off, and people are like, ah, we've, we're hurting it. Keep fighting, keep fighting. And uh, Anwin uses a hammer. Uh, the hammer just, <laughs> um, hence the nickname Hammer. Um, hammer hits this thing basically dead in the face. And you know, it's, it's LARP, right? So it's gentle. Your blows are pulled. But from a cinematic point of view, watching this thing take a lump of concrete to the face was fucking... It's basically a brick on a stick. Taking, the thing, taking a blow to the face was absolutely awesome. And again, like I said earlier, I just enjoyed the crap out of this fight. Um, I actually talked to the Dornish commander, suggested to them that, uh, look, we need to fall back. This thing is not dying because it had, I, I swear to God, taken a thousand hits at this point. You know, we've got 30 people striking it every second. We honestly spent about three to four minutes just beating it. And it would wildly swing at us and the people jump backwards and dive out of the way. Uh, one Dornish knight decided to flex, but they had uh, five uses of Unstoppable. So went into it, let it maul him. Unstoppable, maul, unstoppable, maul. Basically fed himself to it. Um, I'm not sure why. It did fix it in place for a bit. So everyone could beat it, but yeah, it, it didn't die. And then what happens is, is I, I chat to the Dornish commander, we, we back off. And the thing just drops over dead. And we were like, huh. All right, then. Easy. <laughs> just, I guess we should have just not hit it at any point. <laughs> it was like our blows were keeping it alive. But uh, anyway, um, it, it drops dead. We're victorious. You know, we cry out into the trees and then march home. Now, Lindir does go to the crab claw and scoop out a bit of uh, pretend meat and now has a, a, a delightful spring snack that he's nibbled on. I'm sure there are no negative consequences to that at all. But then on the way out... Um, one thing I really like about the combat at LARP and something I also find very interesting is, uh, I think I mentioned it in my episode with, with Matty about her hots and knots, is that um, essentially combat stress. Um, you know, we are big heroes of the Empire. We can see these horrendous, you know, go to these battles, these horrendous bloodbaths and come out, A, alive, and B, you know, confident we can go into another one. No hard feelings. Haha, <laughs> we killed the orcs. Got him good. Now, part of Lindy's naivety roleplay for me is challenging that uh, that view of, you know, why, you know, God, how how is everybody here so okay with this? You know, we've we've been so close to death all afternoon, and we're doing it again and again and again. Uh, an experienced Roman Roman legionary might have seen two, maybe three major battles in his lifetime at the peak of the Roman Empire. We see, you know, two, uh, well, technically one every summit, so four a year, four every single year. It, it, it's an incredible amount of, of, of stress and trauma 
um, you know, from an, from an IC point of view to go through. And as Lindy was walking back to the gate, seeing all these dead druge just everywhere, just littering. I mean, pro I mean, round of applause for the crew because they were lying dead still. And it genuinely, on an IC and an OC level, it felt a bit like uh, it felt. It really felt like a battle had been fought there, and this was the bloody brutal aftermath. People are dead, families' lives are ruined, and they're never coming back. And it's all your fault. You did this. These dead people around you are dead because of your actions. And uh, that really, that really hit Linda. Um, it's it's Lindia's profile Facebook, uh, sorry Facebook profile picture at the moment. Uh, there's a great shot. I think if it's from, I think it's from Tom Garnett. Um, I'll double check that. Apologies if I've got that wrong. But um, at this point, I was really enjoying it on an icy and OC point of this is fucked. What we've just done is totally immoral. And yeah, the Druze, we hate them. They're scum. But uh, at the same time, I can't help but feel like I've robbed. You know, I've been part of this great robbery of life, and it's it's a crime, and uh, very very powerful, and felt uh, it was one of those deep emotional trenches that uh, you know you hit sometimes with RP. You've got the the dizzying peaks and the desperate lows, and I enjoy both of them equally. And this was certainly a trench where I felt like a piece of shit, and the, the grim reality of a hero's life in Anvil set on me, and uh, it was a real poignant moment for Lindir. But anyway, we get through the gate. We're alive. And it's evening pub crawl time. Now, the uh at this point we've the whole memory thing is laid to rest. It's time to make some new ones. So uh we Lindir with some of his cash. We go out with the rest of Stormbroke to say thank you for you know looking after me and helping me out. And we go to the Mandela's arms in um in the marches. Now <laughs> uh, the Mandela's Arms is a is a wonderful march uh, pub tent. It's got benches and tables inside. There's about eight of us, so we go in, order some drinks, and we sit down at a table. Just as we're sitting down, like sort of, literally, I think I get my legs just behind it. Another march comes over and goes, "Oh, sorry, we, we were sitting here." I went, "Oh, oh, really? Because I, I just booked this table uh, with with the barkeeper at the front." And. and <laughs> The marcher responds, oh, I didn't realise we took table bookings and I run the place. <laughs> I'm sat there like, uh, um, mm, in my head. But uh, luckily, uh, this marcher's compatriot with him says, oh, oh don't worry about that. Let's, let's go somewhere else. And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure. And you know, they do get a seat at the next table over. This is basically an empty one, so we can fit a whole group. But just how quickly that came out, that was definitely Ban's attitude there, just, just seeping through. But um, the Stormbroke found that hilarious of like, did you book this? And I'm like, no. <laughs> Didn't book that at all. It just rolled off the tongue. Um, and we spend the rest of the evening, well, not the rest of the evening, the rest of our evening in the Mandela's arms, talking about the cretin for his Ban Shatter song. And this was a bit of like, you know, IC and OC bleed. It was basically talking about what he'd, he'd done. It was very funny, done very um very tongue in cheek. Um Eden who plays Anwin Stormbroke um is very, very good at taking IC locations and relating to OC places. Like I think Seren is Hull 
uh, in the UK. Like sometimes it's just the way she says Seren. It, it, it's just very clear that we're talking about, we're not talking about Seren Seren, we're talking about Hull. But um, anyway, we, we talk um, about Ban in that kind of manner. And then about 30 minutes in, one of the other Stormbrokes realizes that I was the player for Ban and loses their shit. Um, you know, hilarity ensues. You know, she she's absolutely, you know, she's like crying with laughter because it, it's been pretty funny already. And then she realizes, and this just tilts us over the edge. We've, we've all had a, sort of a drink or two and it was genuine side-splitting laughter for about 30, 40 seconds. It genuinely hurt, but it was, it was, well, it was wonderful. We, uh, we finish up our drinks and uh, we decide to go on a pub crawl. Uh, and I, we, we mint a, uh, a social secretary for the group. I give them a throne, and then off we go to Uncle Regrezio's. Now, I've heard lots of tales about Uncle Regrezio's. Um, for those of you who don't know, it's a bar that sells bad shots. You, you pay for a shot, you don't know what you're getting. It could be vodka, it could be cooking oil, it could be vinegar, it, it could be anything. Literally anything. Um, typically, they're actually okay things like sours, that kind of stuff. They're not trying to screw you, but the point is they can. So it makes it a, uh, a fantastically entertaining evening as we put like a crown or two behind the bar because it's only five rings a shot and we basically take turns seeing what we get. Some of us get some awful ones, gag and spit. The others are okay for now. But yeah, it was, a, it was just a wonderful experience and the actual bar has a, um, a family tree and they refer to Uncle Regrezio as this actual person. They show his family tree, how he's involved there. Uh, I think in the league they have... Is it families? Oh, I should... Chris, you should know this. That's called family. Oh, gosh. Right, I'm going to put my money on family, but I know that's wrong. Anyway, yeah, this Leish family... Um, you know, explain where Regrezio came from and his history. So as you're having these dangerous shots, it's actually a very entertaining IC history lesson. Uh, they delivered it so well, very, very fun, and uh, was a second, was a fantastic second stop on this bar crawl. And then finally, we end up at Songs and Stories. Uh, we sit around, have a chat, have a drink. And then, for the first time in Chris's life, I actually stay to the end of Songs and Stories. Um, I always thought it ended at 12. I think it ends at 1 instead. I'm not... Or maybe 12.30. Um, at, at this point, the whole time thing has gone out the window. But the point is, I've never... like Since my early years at, um, early years at Empire, I sat around songs and stories and then kind of got into my own groove and did my own thing. But it was so nice to check in after like two or three years and see how much has changed, how many super talented performers there are, and also the song at the end where everybody pulls out their knives and uh, sort of chants and gets close to the actual fire pit. I'm not going to destroy your ears and try to sing the song, but it's very catchy. And uh, it felt awesome. You know, Songs and Stories is possibly one of the best things in the whole of the Empire field. And this final few moments are the pinnacle of it. So uh, very much worth going and hanging around to the end if you haven't done so already. And then at this point, we, we time out, and uh, I actually spend a bit of time chatting to one of the, the Dog's End uh, players uh, called Ben and uh, an Eden as well. And we're just, we're just chatting because we've only really met each other at this event. 
like we've seen each other's characters around but we haven't talked OC ever uh we stay up until like I mean I stay up until like four they stay up even later um you know it was very nice on reflection perhaps a little bit of an error maybe let's not stay out until four next time guys but uh yeah super nice to meet people um at a social hobby we clatter now into sunday monstering the agara are a lot of fun they are um essentially human thralls of the the Jotun, who are currently trying to fight to take back Bregasland. They've got some family history there. They're like marchers, but not exclusively or necessarily marchers, is what I've been told. But if you want a TLDR, they're Jotun marchers. <laughs> I can hear people getting mad at that already. Um, part of the brief is specifically no marcher bullshit. Um, that doesn't seep to everybody who monsters. There's a little bit of it, and you know, in my personal opinion, it does. Monstering is always fun. Like if you're Druze, you get to caper around pretending to chop off people's ears. Jotun, you get to make up this crazy long backstory as to why you're so mighty, then die in four seconds against a knight. Um, and when it comes to Yagara, you can talk about the potato fields that you're fighting for, for example. Now, we 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 caper around. You know, we we get put on the front line to receive the charge of the imperial army i mean i'm i'm, li I'm literally wearing a, a picture of me again on the e3 hots and knots photo i put on facebook um i think the bottom left one i'm in my yagara costume i'm literally in a tunic a bandana boots trousers and i have a spear like that's it that's literally it you know the three hits basic thanks to being a monster and that's it um, I don't die in a single battle because we actually give the Imperials a damn good spanking. We um we receive the charge, and what happens is as the Imperials charge us, they don't charge in a wave, but they kind of charge in a um in two prongs. So they hit two parts of our line very hard, but then they leave these huge gaping sort of V-shaped gaps in between. So you know I take our merry bunch of Yagara. And we storm into this gap and we start to um start to break apart their line. And fundamentally what happens is the you know the classic Wintermark donut, uh we, we get a two donuts. We actually have two entirely surrounded sections of the Imperial Army. Yagara all around them, some of the, the Jotun Emu units, uh, elite military units, um, hence Emu. Uh, sort of discarping around dealing with some of the tougher opponents that we we have but yeah we absolutely destroy them um you know what we get a chant going like a huh huh and the yagawa start to chant in rhythm we start to get attack 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 and we take loads and loads of ground and we start to you know we crush them the refs of course step in to, to stop us actually crushing them oc but i see that we, we've got them dead to rights they're just surrounded and um the imperial surrender I believe that's that's what I heard. I haven't checked the official results, so I could be wrong. But um, yeah, they actually surrender and they slink off the field. I think the Brass Coast lost forty of their members or something like that, and we heckled them all the way. We yell at them, you know, oh, cowards, go home, blah blah blah, haha. You know, you've lost. You know, we're mightier than you. We're more courageous than you. Where's your courage? That kind of thing. And uh, we know we're doing a good job because 
at this point specifically a ceasefire no weapons to be drawn no blood to be spilt one of the imperial heroes knocks and loses an arrow at me misses but then gets condemned by um, his, his entire group and it was just very cool to see that kind of rp kick off because of course you know you've been beaten You're like oh damn it oh this guy this guy is just yelling at me fuck him try and shoot him dead and uh it was a really really cool moment and uh you know could it be the end of short john silver the yagara but uh it was not this day there's another highlight here um <laughs> uh we're gonna call this imperial citizen laces they were a winter marker in a red coat now what i'd heard from redacted earlier on the saturday when i'd been redacting was that um they'd been caught out on the battlefield on the saturday by drew saying oh your laces are undone he looked and of course um, his laces were not undone the Jewish laughed at him and he'd been got good we decided to do this again um do this a red-coated winter marker and we got him good i believe there's actually an oliver facey photo of him flipping us off after the event but yeah we um we kept yelling at him your laces your laces and pointing at our feet and then um <laughs> he goes down and about 30 agara at this point cheer bellow and laugh and start to sort of dance and sing and clap and <laughs> it's, it's hilarious like the guy is you just see on his face he's like ah oh, god damn it the people next to him in the line are like ah oh, damn damn dude they got you good <laughs> so yeah it was highlight the battle for me absolutely brilliant loved it after the battle and our glorious Yagara victory and there's a couple of rituals being cast on Brenos the quiet step general and on Larkin the not so newly minted but still very new say this dance general uh, I think this is to, to enchant their armies um, with some crows and basically there's like 30-40 people outside the military council tent it's a big fancy ritual very cool to watch cool bit of RP and then at this point um, we, we, head, we head into the end of the weekend and uh, at this point, I was off to the USA, uh, literally the next the next day. So I had to pack and get out sharpish. So apologies to anybody who I didn't, well, say goodbye to on the Sunday. Don't get me wrong. I miss you. I still do. And I will catch you in, realistically at this point, uh, 10 days, I think. How long is it until E3? Sorry, E4. Uh, it's going to be 1, 2, 3. Yeah, 10. 10 days. 8th of September. It's actually, um, first of all, thank you for getting to the end of this episode. It's been a long one, an hour and 50. Um, the reason I'm doing it now is because I've only got, frankly, the rest of this week before I travel up north and get ready to go to E4. So time flies when we're having fun, doesn't it? So yeah, I pack up leave and uh, that brings E3 to a close. So yeah. I would honestly say this was the most fun I've ever had at Empire uh, this weekend. Um, I hope I can top it. I believe I will. But this time it's really about the players I ran into, the RP experiences, and the good nature of it all. I used to, I've used the word wholesome like probably about a thousand times in today's recording, and it, it's because it's because it's true. Um, being a nice character and having nice interactions with people is lovely.
and whilst I really enjoyed the crime side of Ban, I'm really glad I, I chose to play a half decent citizen and uh, engage with the game as intended, I guess. So, I'm going to let you all go. Thank you so much again for listening to me ramble. Um, of course, anyone I've mentioned, uh, if you're you know, not happy with what I've said, DM me, I'll take it down, edit it out, all that stuff. I know I dropped a, a couple of OC names, so you know, apologies. Um, but they'll, um, yeah, so first names, I think we've run into each other before. I've mentioned you on other episodes, but again, as always, anything you don't like, DM me and I'll cut it out. And to the rest of you, um, thanks for all the support as usual. Um, this, this whole podcast is trickling along nicely. Um, I never, ever, ever expected this to happen when I made it gosh best part of a year ago now and uh, it's mutated and evolved into something lovely and well I very much look forward to catching you all at E4